Again, we are delighted to have Bill Mays with us. I've been acquainted with him for a number of years at the uh, preacher meetings that we have once a month over in the Fort Worth side, and he comes down that down to that from Crum, and we're delighted to have him with with us this evening. <clears throat> Bill was born, I think it's about a little around 60 miles southeast of Winniewood, Oklahoma. We have a member here that was born in Winniewood, Oklahoma. So, probably haven't heard that one before. Uh, he was born in Duncan, so, but uh, in Oklahoma, he attended Oklahoma Christian College, uh, has several degrees from them. He has two daughters and four grandkids. Uh, we had dinner with him tonight, and he does like to talk about the grandkids. And he's very proud of those and glad to have them in his life. He's preached in a number of different places, Oklahoma, Texas. Uh, he's been up at uh, Crum since 2012, and he loves the Lord. He's involved, and for those that attend the Monday morning bre uh, breakfast, we use the books uh, by Bill E. Smith, study guide that Bill has, the, has taken over Helm Publishing and uh, keeps that updated as well. So it's good to have him in our midst. His lesson this evening is to talk about faithful attendance. Uh, what does God have to say about faithful attendance? We're great, grateful that you are here. encourage you to Listen attentively to the lesson that he has to present to us. Uh, he does have a chart there for you or an uh, outline for you to fill in along the way as well. But, Bill, we're delighted to hear here and encourage you to come and challenge us on being faithful in our attendance. up on the screen. Uh, try going to the very first slide because uh, our technology may not work tonight. We're trying to merge uh, a uh, PowerPoint. Uh, yeah, that slide there. <laughs> he went back the other. So anyway, we're trying to merge uh, normal uh, Microsoft-type technology with um, uh, an Apple computer, and so that is not seen to be fully, oh yeah, we'll just, if I'm, I'm not going to be able to change, and so we'll just leave it at that then, just allow you to look at the uh, main title thing. So uh, anyway, I appreciate the men trying to work with it and trying to see what we needed to do, maybe the, the mouse is not reaching all the way back to the back computer, but you have the outline in front of you, and so that is of great importance. I, if you do not have an outline entitled, What Does God Say About Building Faithful Tenants? If you raise your hand, the one passing these out would be sure and get you one. I feel that's very important. Now, you'll see on that outline a scripture reading, an introduction passage. And that is what I want to begin with here. 
Matthew 6, verses 25 to 33, and it reads this way. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth uh, worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, and they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But... And this is the part of this passage that connects to this lesson. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's the important thing. What are you putting first when we talk about worshiping with God? In my life as a Christian, I've noticed the following in every church of God's people. There are some Christians who attend every service of the church, whatever is going on, whenever possible. They're present for Bible study on Sunday morning and Wednesday evening. They attend both Sunday morning and Sunday evening worship services. If the church has a gospel meeting, they're there. If they have a VBS going on, they are there. If they have some kind of special activity, they are there. They'll even attend gospel meetings and other special opportunities at other congregations. They are people like you who are present tonight. Then there are other Christians whose attendance is so infrequent. They attend once on a Sunday and often only very sporadically. They do not participate in uh, Bible class opportunities. They're not present for most of the services during the local, uh, uh, if, if there's a local gospel meeting or a VBS or some kind of other special activity, they're just not there. And as far as going to other special opportunities at nearby sister congregations, gospel meetings and stuff, uh, it'd be very unlikely. So why the difference? Why do some Christians attend every service and others do not? Does it really make any difference? Well, I am of the conviction that it makes every difference difference. There's a real difference between the two. It makes a difference in the spiritual life of the individual Christian. It makes a difference in the spiritual life of the local congregation. Now, the purpose of this lesson is not to make anyone present feel bad. And I do not want you to take this, well, that's just something preachers are always talking about. But I do want you to understand 
my challenge in speaking to you on a Wednesday night that chose to be present on a Wednesday night, talking about people that need to be present on Wednesday night and Sunday night and other opportunities. To properly present this lesson, I must pretend, please forgive me this, but I must pretend that there are a number present in this gathering here of that those sporadic attending Christians of that second group which I just mentioned. And so I ask you to give me that grace as you listen to my important lesson points. And I felt like the points were important enough that I put them on a piece of paper for you. I have every Bible verse I'm going to refer to on this piece of paper. And so our question is, what does God say about building or having faithful attendance? I wish to share with you some reasons why every Christian ought to attend every, do you hear that? Every possible service or assembly of the church, unless, unless hindered by illness or circumstances beyond their control. There are several reasons why Christians have chosen to attend as they do. For an example, we should attend every service to fulfill commands, that's that first blank, commands of God. And so as we consider that we should attend to fulfill commands of God, let us consider three commands. Number one, there is the command to not forsake our assembling. This command is found in Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. The writer, the Hebrew writer writes, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit. Can you imagine people have developed this habit here? As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, And all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, this is a warning against the complete abandonment of assembling with God's people. To the point that it's your habit not to be with God's people. While one may not have abandoned assembling with the local congregation by assembling only once a week. Forsaking that one assembly a week becomes a lot easier if you have been in a habit of forsaking all the other assemblies of that local congregation to assemble with the saints. Now, I want you to listen real close here. To assemble with the saints should be a one-time decision made when one becomes a Christian. You see, when you are put in that watery grave and you're buried in Christ and you rise to walk in newness of life, right there should be the one-time decision. I'm going to be with God's people every opportunity I have. But many people in becoming a child of God, being immersed, being baptized, don't think about that one-time decision that should affect their Christian life from then on. I can recall being a teenager in my junior high and high school years 
and always being at services on Sunday evening because I wanted to be there. We had five o'clock youth class. I wasn't going to miss that. And there were youth devotionals following the, the six o'clock uh, worship service. I wasn't going to miss that. And once in a while, if, hear me now, if I were to wear a tie on Sunday evening, I might be just the one picked to serve uh, the Lord's Supper on Sunday evening. If I chose to look nice, in which I did most of the time. So I did all of that. And guess what was going on on Sunday evening at 6 p.m. when I was young? What do we have here? You sure that's going to work? Oh, man, that's impressive. You are impressive. (laughs) And that's the Bible verse where I'm at. That's what I like. Well, anyway, at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings, you know what? Is anybody here, can anybody tell me what was on television at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings when I was a teenager? What? The wonderful world of Disney. None of you remember that? Boy, this guy does. I just couldn't hardly stand. I wanted to watch Disney so bad, but I knew where I wanted to be more. I made a choice. So whatever was on Disney there in those years, I never got to see it. There wasn't any recording devices back in those days. But I've never forgotten that example of making a choice. I chose to be with God's people because I made that choice when I was immersed. The two went together for me. Those in the habit of attending every service are not likely to begin skipping services that can lead to stopping attending altogether. And so the command of Hebrews 10, 25 here is also to encourage one another, to stimulate one another. We also have the responsibility to build up one another that we find in Romans 14, 19. You see, our presence alone without you even saying hello to anyone or goodbye to anyone or hugging or giving, shaking somebody's hand without any of those side issues, just your presence being there encourages others in attendance. Can we say that we are edifying others when we are absent most of the time? Can we say we're edifying others if we attend so infrequently that we hardly know the other members? Can we say that we are encouraging others when we are not present to notice that others have stopped attending? The command of Matthew 6, 33 is to seek first the kingdom of God. And in our scripture reading in Matthew 6, verses 25 to 33, I emphasize that Jesus has commanded us to put his kingdom first, the kingdom of God first. We all have many priorities in our life, and the devil makes sure that he throws lots of interruptions and conflicts with all of our priorities. But we must simply ignore the devil and his interruptions and put our priorities in the right order. Many Christians 
would not accept a job if it meant always missing the services of the church. Many Christians would not play sports or other extracurricular activities that conflict with their service to God. It is one thing to miss because one provides critical services to others, such as medical or police or fire, all the first responders, but to always miss just to make money. Folks, there's no amount of money that is worth the loss of your soul. So do whatever it takes so that you have the opportunity to regularly fellowship with the Lord's people. If your job is keeping you from that, find another job. No job is worth missing assembling with the Lord's people most of the time. You know, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble here, David. And, and so you can tell him I'm really a pretty nice guy. But some stay home on Sunday because of aches and pains. But on Monday, they go to work, they go to the grocery store, they go to the beauty shop and all those other places with the same aches and pains. I can't understand that. I don't think I'll ever understand that. Why? Going to worship God, oh, I've just hurt too much. But if it's a beauty shop, I got to go get that gallon of milk. Oh, yes, I've just got, I'll just tough it through, take my aspirin and go. Why do people do that? You know, folks, that do the same thing, don't you? We must put Christ first in our lives, even before family, as we're taught in Matthew 10 37. Some often stay home simply because there's visitors or company have come in. Now, is that putting Christ first as an example to your visitors? What better way to illustrate putting Christ first in your life to visitors or to company or visiting family than to say, we're going to worship. We would love for you to come with us. You don't want to go. We'll be back in an hour. Just think of the example that would say they might skip it the first time. Next time, they'll probably begrudgingly go with you. See what was going on. What's so special about going to the services of the church? Who is to be our true family? Well, Jesus answered this challenging question right here in Matthew 12, starting with verse 46. He was speaking to the crowd. Behold, his mother and, and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. By the way, in another text, they're really bothered about their, their, this oldest son. And uh, they think maybe he's lost his mind. And, and it seems like they were really trying to take him away, away from the people, because they think he has gone crazy. At least that's what I have absorbed from other recordings about this event. And it's interesting how Jesus handles this. Someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him, said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then stretching his hand towards his disciples, he said, Behold, 
my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus said, if you do my will, you're family. It just doesn't get any better than that. We are family with Jesus, the Son of God. That makes us family with the Father. We are his adopted children. Now, we just touched upon three commands that are found in Hebrews 10, 25 and Matthew 6, 33, that we are to assemble, we are to encourage, and we are to seek God first. Can anyone say they can faithfully keep these three commands when they consistently miss most of the services of that local church family? The answer to that would be no. Here's another reason why a child of God should attend every service. We assemble to grow and develop spiritually. Worship services provide for spiritual growth. Hearing sermons and attending Bible classes can help one to grow and develop into a mature Christian as we're taught to do in Hebrews 5.14. Songs are designed to teach as well as praise God as Colossians 3.16 teaches. That's teach each other. See, when you're singing, there is this vertical aspect of singing. At the same time, there is this horizontal part. And that's where you're teaching, speaking to one another. The teachings of God that we find in our wonderful songs. Prayer, the Lord's Supper, even times of collection. Contribution. They're all designed to bring us closer to God as well as to each other. Our growth is dependent upon our, de- our diet. One cannot grow as God intended on a spiritual starvation diet. And it is sad and tragic to me when some people are purposely starving themselves spiritually. Those who attend irregularly will eventually suffer from spiritual malnutrition. Spiritual malnutrition will allow one to be even more easily tempted and led astray by the devil. And rather than having a strong, joyful, peaceful, spiritual life, those on a spiritual diet remain spiritual infants, as we're taught in Hebrews 5, verse 13. I've had the wonderful, God-blessed pre- uh, uh, blessing and opportunity to preach for over 45 years. Other than some brethren of great age, I cannot ever recall a person who chooses to attend only one service a week to ever be a strong, faithful Christian. At least that's what I have observed. Instead, the one service a week attenders are more like chaff, which the wind can drive away, than the rooted trees that are described in Psalm 1, verses 3 through 4. Another reason to attend every service is to help the church function properly. 
You see, the local church, this church, needs workers. The church is like a body needing every individual part to do its share and to work right, as we're taught in Ephesians 4, 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 teaches us that no one in the church can say they're not needed or that they do not need others. You see, the church is dependent upon its members. Members who attend infrequently rarely do very much for the church. You want this church family to grow? Do you want souls to be saved? Do you want to see the weak encouraged? Do you want to see your children have good teachers? I remind you that church is no stronger than the collective strength of its members. See, the church are like, church members are like links in a chain. If there's a missing link in the chain, it affects the entire chain. Churches where attendance greatly drops on Sunday and Wednesday nights, where members do not attend gospel meetings or other special church events and gatherings, will never reach their potential in their service to the Lord. Come judgment. Would you want to give an answer to the Lord for hindering his church because of your lack of? of involvement. Fourth point, we assemble to provide a good example and influence. Never underestimate the value, the importance, and the spread of your influence. Christians are to set a good example. 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, faithful attendance is essential for good influence. A person may think they can survive on one service a week, but what of those who are present that need encouragement? Instead, they just notice you missing. Faithful attendance influences friends. It influences relatives. It influences neighbors, as we're taught in 1 Peter 2, verse 12. Consider those you influence may begin to wonder, what is it that makes you so devoted to that church family? And they start asking you questions about it. Why do you go every time? What's so special about the folks there? What do you do? Wouldn't you love an open door like that of opportunities for you to tell them why you are there? Faithful attendance provides great support to elders, preachers, and other Christians. This evening, David and Pat and I were sitting there, and we were eat, uh, we'd finish our supper, and our server, who was a real delightful young lady, came back one time because, as David said, we were talking about kids and, uh, and congregations where I'd worked before and where I preached here and their stuff, and she came back and said, do you go to the Church of Christ? She had heard our conversation. I said, yes, we do. And where do you go? Say, I go to the Church of Christ too. And so I said, well, that's why I knew you were such a delight. And she just beamed. And so uh, she does attend 
a sister congregation in this area and was working at uh, Cotton Patch. And uh, all because I was talking a little too loudly, she knew where David Pat and I attend, what we did. Folks, listen to this. You cannot escape being an influence to others. All you can choose is what kind of influence you're going to be. If it's going to be a good influence or, or if it's going to be a poor influence. Here's another reason to attend every service when possible. We are to be ready, watching, and waiting. You see, disciples of Christ are to be prepared. Remember, uh, scout model, boy scout model uh, is be prepared. And uh, listen, long before Boy Scouts were ever invented, God taught us as his children to be prepared. Jesus warned against getting caught off guard here in Matthew 24, verse 44. For this reason, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. What does Jesus say here? Be prepared. Being prepared for the coming of Christ is part of making the best of your time, as you find here in Ephesians 5, 16. Attending every service contributes. I don't know why that... Is it a squirrely internet? And we're right there. Nobody say squirrel. It might go running after it. All right. The point I was making was about making the most of your time because the days are evil. Attending every service contributes to a person's preparation. We sing songs like we sang a song tonight. But we sing songs about the Lord's coming. We study scriptures that promised his return. What if the Lord came on a Sunday evening or Wednesday night and you were staying home out of convenience rather than assembling with your brethren? Can we say that we are ready, watching, and waiting for the Lord when we willfully choose to miss many of the opportunities to be with his people Finally, let's look at one more reason to attend every service. We attend every service in order to have a clear conscience. Some of that study work that David uh, mentioned I've done in the past was in the area of guidance and counseling psychology. There's a master study course for people who might want to do be a school counselor or work in a counseling community counseling center for me it just was to help me in talking with folks but i'm telling you any counselor will will just shake their head when someone's conscience is is eating them up because they're not going to get anything right in their life till they solve that conscious problem. 
your conscience eating you up is like a, a gangrene. It's like a, a, a consuming cancer. The Bible teaches us ways to take care of those conscious problems. But that's another lesson for another time. I just want to emphasize that a good conscience is important to you. Jesus died to cleanse our conscience, Hebrews 9, 14. When we are immersed, baptized, that is an appeal for a good conscience, as we are taught in 1 Peter 3, verse 21. The goal of our teaching is to have a clear conscience, 1 Peter 1, verse 5. God doesn't want your conscience bothering you. Thank God every time your conscience bothers you, though. That means your heart has not become so calloused, so hardened that things, good things or things that you should be doing uh, or things that you're not doing no longer bothers you. You don't want to ever get to that point. Always thank God when your conscience is bothering you. Do what is right and make it stop bothering you. Don't ever ignore it. I believe that missing services will contribute to a guilty conscience. When you miss, not because of illness or some other circumstance beyond your control, you will feel guilty. Because you know where you should be. I visit a lot of folks like this with those guilty consciences. But you really don't need a lesson like this. Because common sense tells you that you'd be better off assembling with the Lord's people. As the Bible teaches us. A guilty conscience can soon lead to a hardened conscience. And a conscience can become so seared that it no longer functions properly as we're taught in 1 Timothy 4, verse 2. A seared conscience is a sad, tragic thing because then the person stops being bothered by not doing godly things. Once your conscience is hardened regarding attendance, it's more likely to become hardened against doing what is right in other spiritual areas And it's just like a row of dominoes. You knock over one, and before you know it, they're all knocked over. Can you say, as did the Hebrew writer, Hebrews 13, 18, for we are sure that we have a good conscience, uh, desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. All right. Why tend every service? Well, the faithful and fruitful child of God attends to fulfill the commands of God. The faithful and fruitful child of God attends to grow and develop spiritually. The faithful and fruitful child of God attends to help the church function properly. The faithful and the fruitful attend to provide a good example and influence. The faithful and fruitful tend to be ready, watching and waiting. And the faithful and fruitful tend to have that clear conscience.
I probably should have covered this area at the beginning of this lesson. Uh, I, I, there's no real reason why I've left it to the end. But it's one of those points that must be dealt with, must be established for this lesson to have any power or purpose. Elderships are commanded in Acts 20, verse 28, to shepherd the church of God. The word shepherd in this verse is a huge word. When used in the first century, when the Luke writes and records this word in Acts 20, 28, uh, these are the words of Paul. And he's talking to the eldership from Ephesus. And as he commands them, shepherd the church of God. They knew immediately what he was talking about. But folks, we don't understand this word as they did today. You see, the word shepherd gives elderships a commanded responsibility to feed, to water, to guard, to protect, to heal the injured, to watch over, and everything else New Testament time shepherds did for the health of their flocks of sheep. And so, Paul takes a real life example and applies it to a spiritual example, and we should have no lack of understanding exactly what Paul is talking about when elderships are commanded to shepherd the church of God. We might paraphrase the word. The elders are commanded to take care of, to watch over, to, uh, uh, to heal, to, to feed every individual that is under their oversight. I have been told that Jesus talks uh, in the passage where he is the door of the sheep. Again, we don't understand what he's talking about. But from what I have studied and read, shepherds, when they bring their flocks in and they're putting them in a pen uh, at night or some place for their protection, especially in the wintertime, the shepherd would literally stand in the gate. He was the door. And as each sheep went into that pen and they're falling one after another, he would run his hands through their, to their, their fur uh, their, uh, and their, their fleece. And he's looking for burrs, injuries, maybe blood on his hands, anything that might show that that particular sheep needs some extended attention. And they would check over every one that came through their legs to get into the pen. That's why the shepherd is the door of the sheep at special times. That's why our Jesus is our door. Because he watches over us. He's trying to inspect us. He's trying to keep us healed and healthy if we will allow him to. Just as that sheep, if the sheep doesn't come through the door, that sheep is not allowing that shepherd to take care of his needs. We must go to our master regularly and allow with a contrite and humble heart and just put ourselves on, in, in, on the throne of grace and say, dear God, your will be done. This 
verse gives elderships the authority and the backing of God to schedule times for feeding the flock. When they schedule those times and the hours and stuff like that, that's all man-made human traditions. Just because it's tradition doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I have a granddaughter Next Tuesday is going to celebrate her 15th birthday. We're going to honor her. That's a tradition. But I think it's a really good tradition. Because she's my granddaughter. There's lots of wonderful traditions that we have in life. Just because something is a tradition does not make it bad. You got a better tradition to replace my tradition? That's all right. That's fine. I will listen to you. I'll consider replacing mine with your tradition if you got a better idea. But I thank God that elderships over time are wisely put aside these times for their flock, those under their oversight, to be fed and watered, at times healed, but taken care of, sometimes protected from real spiritual danger. After I said what I said about elders having that responsibility, what a heavy responsibility it is. Come judgment. David and I are going to be judged more strictly than some of you. Because the Bible passage teaches, let not many of you become teachers, knowing as such we will have a stricter judgment. The same thing applies to these men that serve as elders. They're going to be judged concerning some things that those who have not served as an elder will not be judged on. Don't be envious of these elders come judgment day. Look at this text, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. But look what follows. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Come judgment day, elders of eldership are going to have to give an account for their shepherding. You take care of your elders. They carry a heavy burden. Then we read, let them do this with joy, not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for you. I feel sad for those unprofitable reports by all of these elderships over time for those that have been weak as Christians and their attendance and their service and their, their obedience to God's word. And so for what you see before you, for such reasons and many others, the faithful child of God should have this attitude as is expressed by the psalmist in the 
22, verse 1, who wrote, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And that house is not a building, folks. It's you. It's people. God's house, God's household has never been brick and mortar. It's always been flesh and blood. It's people. So what is your attitude? I beg of you, make the most of your time that you may that you have left on this earth, as we're taught in Ephesians 5.16. Use as much of your time as possible to the service of the Lord and his people in your church family. I always felt like that presenting this lesson, I'm speaking at a time when the folks that need to hear it are not going to be present. But I'm truly thankful that you chose to be present this evening. If it encourages you in any way to stay true and faithful, if it challenges you to encourage others that are not what they ought to be as Christians, to encourage and mentor and, and help them to be what they need to be, then this lesson will have accomplished its purpose. But to be anyone in our gathering this evening that needs to respond to God's word, that's why we're here. We're here to help. Please let us help. If you have a need to respond this evening, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of encouragement.